Good morning. It is Kale and Company live right here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com for a Wednesday morning. A delight to have you along with us. And we are expecting to hear from Neil Levesque anytime. Neil is the executive director of the New Hampshire Institute of Politics at St. Anselm College. And we have some uh, breaking news this morning uh, regarding the uh, political scene. So uh, we will uh, talk with Neil about that and other things on the program today. And we are presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Northeast Delta Dental has individual and family plans designed to fit your lifestyle. You can learn more and find your plan at Delta Dental Covers Me. Dot com. Ken, we have Neil on the line. Good morning, Neil. Good morning, Ken. How are you? I big am, news. I, big, big news. I, I just uh, told our audience that we were going to break some, some, some. I wish we had a big breaking news sounder here, but uh, Neil, <laughs> we'll, we'll just have to uh, do it without the fanfare. But uh, Neil Levesque, as we mentioned, executive director of the New Hampshire Institute of Politics at St. Anselm College, just moments ago, uh, sent me over a story from the DailyMail.com, DailyMail.com, and this is an exclusive uh, from the Daily Mail. Democratic Senator Joe Manchin to headline third party, no labels event in New Hampshire next week in push to give Americans a candidate other than Biden or Trump. That is the headline, and the No Labels event is uh, taking place where, Neil? At the New Hampshire Institute of Politics. So we, uh, this is going to be a big, big event, and uh, he's obviously the, the newsbreaker today, but Joe Manchin, being a Democrat, coming into New Hampshire... Uh, with the president's numbers so weak here and deciding he's the president's not going to compete here, the fact that potentially no labels has a, um, a group of people that are going to run for president. This would include, by the way, the former governor, John Huntsman. He was the ambassador to China. He's also coming. Former Senator Joe Lieberman, he's coming. Uh, a whole... A slew of former governors, members of Congress, they're all coming for this event. So this will be, this is a, a, a big change because as we've seen in the polling, particularly the New Hampshire polling, you know, a lot of people are, are believe the system's broken if we have the same candidates that, that uh, appeared in 2020, you know, a Biden versus Trump campaign. And so potentially... The No Labels group will roll out a whole bunch of policies here on Monday and with these potential people uh, being potential candidates, I guess, and uh, and as sort of an alternative to that. I think there's if there was ever a time where people might be interested in another option, this might be it. Normally, you know, I, I guess the... Uh the gut reaction is to say yeah, that's never going to work. But as you said, this may be the perfect time for that. Yeah, a lot of people, if you look at the latest poll that we did about two weeks ago at the Institute of Politics, basically you boil things down, and I, you know it's really not rocket science. 
if you if you go to the to a, a barbecue on Saturday and you listen to people, you'll get the same thing that our poll came up with, which is that Trump will win the Republican nomination. Uh, he cannot get more votes than he has now. Biden will win here in New Hampshire and probably nationally against Trump, but no one wants Biden to run, and no one believes that he is capable at this point, due to some things such as his age, of being president. So <laughs> this is like this is like the perfect storm for the word. You know, you, you always get on the multiple choice other. This this could be the perfect storm for something like that. But here we are in the middle of the summer, and we have uh, Senator Joe Manchin. You know, interestingly, Joe Manchin's got an interesting background as being West Virginia senator. He's he is the moderate in the United States Senate. He's right there in the middle. He's the guy that has held up some of Joe Biden's things, and he's certainly held up many of the Republican things. And he's pushed for uh, sort of a moderate agenda, and that's why he is of great interest. This is going to be a news story that you heard here first. But this is going to be something you're going to hear a lot about in the next day, moving on into, obviously, next week when the event is. But, you know, he, he said when there was some big spending bills two years ago, he said, you know, I'm, I'm not for this, and I'm going to stop it because I think if we spend more, I'm really worried about inflation. And they all vilified him, and now, as we see, he was... He was perfectly right. So he is a very different guy. Uh, he he doesn't. He's not sort of uh, subject to, uh, to to sort of the money interests of Washington D.C. He's he's different, and he really represents his state very well. But you know, he has been in that middle middle of the road spot for for quite a while. Right, and has uh, voted across party lines on uh, any number of occasions. So this is going to be next Monday, the 17th. West Virginia Senator uh, Joe Manchin will be there. Uh, Also, uh, John Huntsman, the former Republican governor of Utah, and uh, Joe Lieberman. Now, you know, Neil, Joe Lieberman, I was just looking this up. I wouldn't have known it offhand. But Joe Lieberman is actually older than Joe Biden, but you wouldn't think so. You wouldn't think so, and and he's not uh, saying that he's going to be on the ticket, so we don't have to worry about another 80-year-old getting on the presidential (laughs) ballot. Um, But uh, he definitely brings credence in the fact that he, his credibility being the former vice presidential nominee uh, in 2000 is significant. And I think that there's a core group of people that are going to vote in their Republican or Democratic people, you know, who are going to support their candidate. But, you know, politics is, is the art of getting to 51. And you can't just be preaching to your own group and sort of firing up your own base if you're not increasing that number to 51. And I think that in today's politics, raising money and doing things that get you the headline on certain news broadcasts and things like that. It fires up the base, but it doesn't necessarily increase your votes. And you've got to increase your votes if you want to get to 51. And a lot of people don't realize that. Um, and, and, 
And this may be a different situation where, you know, potentially um, there could be a third-party group here, and it could be somebody that um, picks up significant speed. Yeah, absolutely so. Folks, this is breaking news, and you've heard it first uh, right here on WKXL from uh, Neil Levesque. And, uh, Neil, what what time is this event uh, next Monday? It's 5.30 p.m. It'll be streamed. Uh, there's a lot of interest, obviously, so it's pretty pretty tight on the attendance. Yep. Unlike many of our other things that if you have an interest, we, we usually can make room for you. This one might be a little bit different. Um, but it will be streamed, and I think you're going to read a lot about it, see a lot about it, because I think this is going to be – this is a national news story. In fact, I think the Daily Mail, which was the news story we saw, is actually an international um, – I think that's published in Great Britain. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, th- I believe you're right. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but at any rate, uh, this this will be uh, big, big news all day, and uh, you heard it first right here uh, from uh, from Neil Levesque, and uh, it's going to be quite a night. And I, I'm I'm sure uh, for this event next Monday at Saint Anselm College. Uh, the uh, national media will uh, certainly be uh, in attendance for that one. Uh, I think it'll be uh, basically every reporter that covers politics is going to be here. Uh, this is a, a, a big, big story. Joe Manchin and uh, John Huntsman and, uh, and Joe Lieberman. And it's, it's going to be uh, terrific, a terrific night and uh, a, a very much a newsworthy night uh, as well. Neil, I know we're, we're coming up to a break very rapidly here on, on the program. Can you stay with us? Yes, I can. Oh, we've just scratched the surface, folks, but we have uh, scratched a big itch this morning uh, because uh, we got some uh, great, uh, great news and, uh, well, really newsworthy stuff here on WKXL from uh, Mr. Levesque, and we appreciate that. And uh, Kale and Company will continue after these words here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. We are presented by Northeast Delta Dental, and we'll be right back. Welcome back. Kale and Company live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com on this Wednesday. Neil Levesque is with us, the executive director of the New Hampshire Institute of Politics at St. Anselm College. And Neil, since uh, last we spoke, the Iowa GOP has set a date for its uh, its caucus, uh, Monday, January 15th, 2024. It would appear that the uh, 2024 New Hampshire primary would occur on uh, Tuesday, January 23rd. Not etched in stone, but that's the uh, the educated guess right now. Right. So, you know, that's the Tuesday after that uh, Iowa date. And so that's the conventional wisdom. But, of course, what the Secretary of State here in New Hampshire will do is he'll, he'll wait and uh, make sure that nobody jumps ahead of us. So once everyone has sort of set their date, then he'll set the New Hampshire primary date. Um, again, conventional wisdom would be January 23rd, but um, anybody's guess. It's a little hard, actually, when you're like we have been blessed with the fact that we've had the um, 
only sanctioned debates, presidential debates, here in New Hampshire uh, for many, many cycles at St. Anselm. And it's actually very hard because there's an enormous amount of work, effort, labor, money, you name it, that goes into these things. And, of course, it's got to be the weekend before that Tuesday primary and just trying to find the date. You know, for us, if it's in a hockey rink, you got to push out all those hockey people for a period of time when you got to, you know, so you, your high school hockey kid can't practice there because we're putting down a debate floor. So there's all kinds of logistical issues dealing with the primary, but uh, it is what it is, and we we, we deal with it. And uh, I'm sure that uh, the Secretary of State, Dave Scanlon, um, will do this in a way that uh, ensures our first-in-the-nation status. Well, Mr. Scanlon uh, did say that uh, the Iowa date, uh, date is a, a positive event, but he remains on guard as uh, other events might throw a wrinkle into the process. What could some of those events be, Neil? Well, I think, you know, states will have traditionally tried to jump ahead of us. At one point, I think we almost had uh, the primary at Christmas time. It was a, <laughs> quite a comical situation, but they'll try to jump ahead. But I think the biggest threat to the primary is the fact that Joe Biden has um, is not competing here because his top supporter said that he is afraid to get embarrassed, which is an amazing situation. When you're the incumbent president of the United States with the resources, the ability to communicate that you have from uh, the Rose Garden, et cetera, to say that you're in a weak position and you think you're going to get embarrassed, so you're not going to actually compete in elections, you know, I thought this was America, um, you're, you're not going to compete. And if the Democrats here vote in our primary, that the Democratic National Committee will not count, will not count their ballots. So, you know, in a, in a post-2020 world for the Democratic National Committee, uh, under the leadership of President Biden, to say that they're not going to count the ballots of Democrats. This isn't even Republicans. This is Democrats because he's afraid to be embarrassed. Um, so he's decided he's not going to compete here. He's not really going to compete anywhere. South Carolina is a, a party boss state. They get one endorsement. And then I guess they're going to put Delaware, the president's home state, as a second state in the nominating process. I mean, this is the nominating process of, uh, you know, Vladimir Putin or or uh, or Tony Soprano. You know, you get one vote. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just pathetic. You can't make it up. You really can't make it up. The Democratic Party, the party with that name, is saying they don't want to have Democratic elections. They don't want to compete in elections. They just want to have a party boss to say that. He's the nominee, and that's it. But by the way, that's bad for Democrats. Because, you know, you're a sports guy. You know, would you want an NFL team to go out on the field at the Super Bowl that's never played in the in the season? <laughs> I mean, give me a break. All right. Well, I know, I know. It's a great, it's a great analogy, really. And uh, as you say, uh, I mean, as far as the Democrats are concerned, this is a a rigged primary, and you, you've said that uh, for quite some time now, and it's it's uh, it rings true for sure. You, you talked about uh, the recent uh, poll that was released a couple of weeks ago 
by the St. Anselm College uh, Survey Center. Uh, 85% of those surveyed uh, felt that the country is going in the wrong direction. Any, any surprise there, Neil? I'm not surprised at all. What, what, you know, there seems to be a general discontent amongst Americans, despite the fact that we always have economic troubles. Right now, we have inflation. In the past, we've had some unemployment, but not right now. And overall, we're in pretty good shape financially as a country right now. And despite that, so many people feel this sort of negative feeling about America. And a lot of it, I think, probably is headlines of, you know, some of these woke things that are going on. And, 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 it's, and it's disheartening. Um, and so, so many people believe the country is on the wrong track. And I believe that 85% number points to the fact that people believe that if Biden and Trump are the nominees, that this is a sure sign that the political system is broken. Now, that, that's pretty amazing as well. But, you know, I think people may want a different alternative. And that may not be for someone who is a, you know, tried and true Republican or Democrat that's going to vote for those two folks. Um, but it's true for a lot of other people who uh, are just not satisfied with the, with the choices. That's why this Monday event is so interesting. Oh, it is. It, it certainly is. So what are some of the numbers that uh, jumped out at you? Anything uh, on, on the recent poll? Well, I think, again, it boils down to the fact that 70% of voters believe that the president of the United States um, basically doesn't have the faculties to, to run for another term. And um, and the, the, the other big thing out there, there's, there's two factors to this is that in New Hampshire, despite the fact that Biden is unpopular, despite the fact that people don't believe that he's capable of being president for another term, they're going to vote for him over Donald Trump. So if you're a Donald Trump Republican, you've got to be looking at this saying, okay, um, despite the fact that Biden is weak, people are just don't like the state of the country, uh, they don't believe that the guy's capable of being president for another four years. They're still going to vote for Biden over Trump. And that number is 49 to 40. Now, the, New Hampshire, of course, is a snapshot for the rest of the country. And I think it's pretty indicative of where the Electoral College would be. But the, the other interesting factor is that DeSantis also loses to Biden 49 to 40. So... DeSantis can't really make that argument that, well, I'm the guy that can beat Biden and Trump can't, because our poll sort of says that that's not the facts. Um, one thing that is true is that Trump has an overwhelming lead, overwhelming, um, in our poll for the Republican nomination. It's rock solid, because basically he's an incumbent. Uh, and in order to have voters... Uh, break away from the incumbent, usually you have to have, create a pretty good argument. And no one in the Republican field so far has been able to say why voters who are committed to Trump shouldn't vote for him and should vote for them or for someone else. They haven't been able to do that. 
And so you see a lot of negative stories out there about DeSantis not being a good campaigner, not doing this, not doing that, or or some of these other stories where people are shaking hands and doing all the right things. But Trump still has this sizable lead, and that's because no one's come up with an argument as to why he shouldn't. And that remains to be the big factor in politics right now, besides time. And while it seems, Neil, that the support for Trump has been uh, very steady and he has that commanding lead, as you as you mentioned, the support for DeSantis in recent weeks uh, seems to have waned a little bit. Oh, it's definitely waned. And, you know, what's interesting is DeSantis, you know, he's from a great state. If you're if you're in electoral politics, and he's certainly getting a lot of uh, media in some of these news stations. But his great strength is the fact that he's raised all this money. And so political people will say, well, he's raised all this money and therefore, you know, he'll be a great candidate. He spent a lot of money in New Hampshire, both on television, radio and in print. And he has been sinking. So that's not good either. Any reason for that? I think that because people have not run away from Donald Trump. And the more people attack Trump in the Justice Department, the more Trump has solidified his strength. They see it as a tribal attack on their guy rather than, uh, you know, a criminal justice probe. Neil, I hate to ask, do you have a few more minutes? Yep. yep. All, All right. Neil Levesque. As consented to join us for our next segment, we appreciate that, Neil. The executive director of the New Hampshire Institute of Politics at St. Anselm College. And uh, again, a big event next Monday at 5.30 at the New Hampshire Institute of Politics at St. Anselm College. The uh, No Labels event headlined by West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin, along with uh, John Huntsman and, and Joe Lieberman. It should be quite an event, and it will be streamed. We'll remind you about that uh, again uh, before Neil leaves us today. But uh, Neil will be with us for one more segment. We'll return right after these words. Kale and Company Live, WKXL, NHTalkRadio.com, presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Welcome back. Kale and Company Live here on WKXL, NHTalkRadio.com, presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Neil Levesque with us from the New Hampshire Institute of Politics at St. Anselm College. And uh, we've been talking uh, presidential politics for the most part today. And, and uh, Neil, when you think of the Republican Party, uh, you think of Trump, you think of DeSantis. But uh, we have uh, other candidates in, in single digits uh, right now, like uh, Chris Christie, Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, Mike Pence. H- have any gained uh, much traction in, in recent weeks? Well, some of it, they're all in single digits. I think Chris Christie has comes in third place in our polling, uh, but still in single digits. I think that he's probably the alternative to Trump in the party. Um, but we've seen Nikki Haley, who basically is almost like camping, campaigning for mayor of New Hampshire at this <laughs> point. She was in Coas County. Uh, she's been everywhere, it seems. And... Uh, and Vivek Ramaswamy is is I'm actually outside of an event that's being held here in Manchester this morning for him. He's all over the place, and uh, he's actually been gaining some speed as well. 
Tim Scott is heavy on the radio and been campaigning. So all of these people are alternatives, and people are sort of taking note of them. Uh, the governor of North Dakota, same with him with his television ads. He was in Manchester yesterday as well. But but again, gets back to this is not a standard election. Trump is, for all intents and purposes, an incumbent. Uh, he has members of his own administration, Pence, for example. Uh, that's a huge example. Uh, running against him for this nomination. So it's a very unusual situation. And no one has really been able to figure out that secret way, that secret sauce of saying to a Trump voter, don't vote for him, vote for me. It's pretty simple, right? And, and they haven't been able to do it. Despite, you know, many issues that surround the former president, and I would have to say significant issues that surround the former president, they still are for him. So it's, it's a very strange situation. And um, we'll see if, you know, there's, there's time. There's time. There's no doubt about it. But when you go into a town hall meeting and a candidate doesn't make a case against Trump or as a contrast to Trump so that voters are saying, "Okay, I'm for Trump, but now I'm going to be for this person. Well, what are they really campaigning for? I don't know. They haven't figured out a way to to break those votes away from Trump. Well, you mentioned uh, North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum. Uh, who was in town uh, yesterday, and uh, he, he's doing something, uh, I, I think, pretty unusual. He's offering uh, $20 gift cards to the first 50,000 people who donate at least $1 to his campaign since you know the Republican Party's requirement is that a candidate must have 40,000 individual donors to participate in the first Republican debate on August 23rd. Has this been done before, Neil? Anything like this? I have not heard of this being done. There's some question as to whether or not this is uh, legal under Federal Election Commission rules. It's highly unusual, but here's the fact. You've got to get these individual donors if you want to qualify for things like debates with the Republican Party rules. That's to keep out the folks like, you know, hey, if Neil Levesque decided today, you know, I'm going to spend a thousand bucks and get on the ballot in New Hampshire. No one knows me, but I'm going to be on the debate stage standing next to Donald Trump. You know, the, the party needs to sort of willow down that field so that the major candidates are on the stage. And one of the reasons they do one of the ways they do that is the financial support you have from individual donors that shows your strength. And so that's why he's doing this. It is unusual. I've heard of one other thing. I can't recall what it was where they were looking for names and, you know, they offered some kind of some kind of a uh, incentive. (laughs) I'll say that. I hope my wife doesn't hear about this twenty dollar gift card thing. (laughs) If If it's to Marshall's that I'm in trouble. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> there you go. And uh, Vivek uh, Ramaswamy uh, is is giving his donors a, a chance to earn ten percent of the money they raise for him uh, for his campaign. But uh, you know, if they they raise money from friends, relatives, whatever, 
uh, they can take 10% off the top. Which, again, is a strange, unusual <laughs> thing. But, you know, there are people in my world, and their job is to raise money for candidates. And they take a lot more than 10%. I think some of the the numbers with the former president's campaign are much, much higher than that. Hey, so you've got to increase your individual donors. So you go to your donors and say, sign up family and friends, and we'll give you 10% of whatever he, you bring in. <laughs> it's pretty creative. It definitely turns more of a business model away from politics and the the notion that if you're that committed to a candidate because of what they believe in or what who they are, and that you think they'd be a great president, then you'll make some sort of a donation to them. It it definitely gets away from that and is very unusual. But uh, here we are. Yeah, there's a problem, and this is the solution, right? Yeah. Well, you mentioned the August 23rd debate in Milwaukee. It appears that uh, former President Trump will not be taking part, at least at this moment anyway. And uh, recently, uh, Governor Chris Sununu said that uh, Trump is wimping out of the uh, first debate. Well, we know that uh, Sununu is, is no big fan of uh, the former president. But is that, you know, is that a smart thing to say about you know, the, the most popular candidate in, in his party? I don't think that um, Governor Sununu shies away from any kind of uh, tough talk about anything that he believes in. He, if, if there's one thing that that guy does not, he's not a shrinking violet, I can tell you that. And I think that Sununu is sort of calling out the fact that there really needs to be a lively debate in the Republican Party, and this is the chance to do it, and and that former president is, is deciding not to do it. It's going to make for an awkward debate. There's no doubt about it. Uh, I think the viewership will be down slightly, but it's a tactical move by the former president. He's got a big, big lead. Why risk it with going on a debate stage? Uh, he did skip one of the debates because he was mad, I think, at Fox, and he skipped a debate during the 2016 process, if I'm not, if my recollection is correct. But it is a tactical move. Uh, again, It'll be interesting whether or not he loses any votes because he wasn't on the debate stage. But he's risking the fact that people are going to be watching the debate stage and saying, oh, well, that person makes sense, and I like that person. Maybe I won't vote for Trump. He's not even on the stage. And ironically enough, this debate will be on Fox uh, as well. So <laughs> I, yeah. I, don't, I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but that's just, just a fact. Uh, and uh, locally... Uh, Manchester Mayor Joyce Craig uh, made it official the other day that she has launched her gubernatorial uh, campaign. Uh, she has uh, one opponent, I think, thus far, and uh, Executive Counselor uh, Cindy Warmington, uh, the only other Democratic candidate right now uh, in the race. Do you see others getting in? I don't know if I see other Democrats uh, with, with sort of the sizable name recognition that those two have getting into the race. The question, of course, is who's going to get in on the Republican side with Sununu not saying whether or not he's going to run for re-election yet. Uh, it's kind of frozen the field because, of course, you don't want to say you're running for for governor if the man in your own party hasn't said he, he's running. So uh, they're waiting for that. The Democrats don't have to be so nice about it. So they're, they're in, as you mentioned. Uh, they've filed some reports, a couple hundred thousand dollars raised by each one. Uh, and so we're off to the races here. 
Nope. Remember that a year from now, we'll still be looking at this race. <laughs> exactly. E- exactly. Again, I want to remind the folks, Neil, about uh, next Monday at 530, the No Labels event at the New Hampshire Institute of Politics at St. Anselm College. That'll be at 530. Uh, seating is tight, so uh, streaming is, is the best way uh, to do it. How, how do you get that stream, Neil? Uh, we'll probably have that on our website, the NHIOP. Just Google NHIOP, New Hampshire Institute of Politics, and you'll be able to access that. So uh, West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin uh, will be there. He is the headliner, but uh, uh, John Huntsman will be there as well, and uh, Joe Lieberman, the former Connecticut senator. So it's going to be quite a night, and you heard it here first, uh, right here on WKXL. Neil? I appreciate uh, all your time today and uh, look forward to chatting again in the uh, not-too-distant future. Thank you, Ken. Always a pleasure. All right. Neil Levesque, the executive director of the New Hampshire Institute of Politics at St. Anselm College. Kale and Company right here on WKXL. We'll take a break. We are presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Stay with us. Kale and Company live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. We are presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Northeast Delta Dental has individual and family plans designed to fit your lifestyle. You can learn more and find your plan at deltadentalcoversme.com. And if you've been following the news at all lately on a national basis, uh, much of the focus has been on our neighbor's in Vermont, where flooding has uh, uh, just been uh, historic uh, over the last uh, few days. We've had quite a bit of it here in New Hampshire as well, but uh, not to the extent that they have had uh, in Vermont. But uh, floodwaters uh, have receded in Vermont cities and towns, pummeled by a storm that delivered two months of rain in two days enabling officials to focus on uh, recovering from a disaster that trapped residents in homes, closed roadways, and uh, choked streets and businesses with mud and debris. In the capital city of Montpelier, where streets were flooded Tuesday by the swollen Winooski River, officials said the water levels at a dam just upstream appeared to be stable. So that is good news, according to Montpelier Town Manager Bill Frazier said it looks like it won't breach. Uh, That is one less thing we have on our uh, front burner. So uh, Frazier said the dam remains a lingering concern, but with the water receding, the city was shifting to recovery mode. Public Works employees were expected out today to start removing mud and debris downtown in Montpelier, and building inspections will start as businesses uh, businesses begin uh, cleaning up their properties. And Governor Phil Scott uh, planned to tour areas impacted by the flooding with uh, Dean Criswell, the administrator of the uh, Federal Emergency Management Agency on Wednesday, a day after uh, President Biden declared emergency for Vermont and authorized federal disaster relief assistance. The slow-moving storm reached New England after hitting parts of New York and Connecticut on Sunday. Uh, Some communities received between 7 and 9 inches of rain. Towns in southwest New Hampshire had uh, heavy flooding as well and road washouts. 
and the Connecticut River was expected to uh, crest above flood stage uh, Wednesday in Hartford. That's Hartford, Vermont, and uh, towns to the south. So the concern uh, still continues, but it has been uh, lessened a little bit within the last uh, 12 to uh, 24 hours. But now the uh, major uh, cleanup will commence, and there is a lot of cleaning up to do uh, in much of the state of Vermont. And again, uh, you know, New Hampshire uh, also was a, was a part of it, but uh, not as, as severe as the uh, damage that we saw uh, in Vermont. And, uh, wow, they are really uh, dealing uh, with uh, some, some issues there right now. Well, last night was the Major League Baseball All-Star Game, and for the first time in 11 years, the National League came away a winner. Elias Diaz, catcher for the Colorado Rockies, hit a two-run homer in the top of the eighth inning, erasing a 2-1 to American League lead, and the National League held on to beat the American League by a score of 3-2, to two, your final score from Seattle uh, last night. First win for the National League uh, in a long, long time, in uh, 11 seasons. And, of course, there was one All-Star game wiped out uh, by COVID, but uh, nonetheless, uh, the National League winners last night. And the American League did have an opportunity did have an opportunity to uh, to tie it up in the bottom of the ninth inning. As Craig Kimbrell, the former Red Sox closer, who now pitches for the Philadelphia Phillies, Craig Kimbrell uh, walked a couple of batters in the bottom of the ninth inning, and it came down to uh, Craig Kimbrell uh, striking out Jose Ramirez of the Indians with two on in the ninth inning. Kimbrell got the save as the National League ended a nine-game all-star drought. And, uh, of course, Diaz, Elias Diaz of the Colorado Rockies, made some history by becoming the franchise's first player to win the all-star MVP award. Red Sox closer, legendary closer, Kenley Jansen, pitched to one batter in the ball game last night and struck him out. Now, by the way, going back to uh, Diaz, he is the 24th player to hit a home run in his first career All-Star game at bat and the second to do so in the game after Yandy Diaz went deep in the second inning. So two players... Don't want you to get them confused now. Elias Diaz of the Colorado Rockies and Yandy Diaz of the Tampa Bay Rays, both last night hitting home runs in their first all-star game at bats. So there you go. And uh, Luis Arise, who is the uh, leading hitter average-wise in Major League Baseball, had a couple of hits uh, last night. But uh, the early energy in the stadium last night at T-Mobile Park in Seattle 
crowds, uh, the fans were loudly chanting in the direction of Shohei Otani every time he came to the plate, which was only twice in the game, in the first inning, then again in the fourth. They were chanting, Come to Seattle! Come to Seattle! Because, uh, as many of you know, Shohei Otani will be a free agent at the end of this season, and there is no doubt in the mind of anyone that he is going to command the largest contract in the history, maybe not even just in baseball history, but in professional sports history. I mean, after all, Shohei Otani is two players in one. Great pitcher, outstanding hitter. So you're getting two for the price of one, but when it comes down to it, pretty much two for the price of two because his contract is going to be just extraordinarily large. I mean, we are talking, folks, in in the vicinity of anywhere between 60 and $70 million a year. A year. And the bidding, and the bidding may even go higher than that for Shohei Otani. Now, the Angels are in a real dilemma, the Los Angeles Angels, a real dilemma for the Angels because the trading deadline is coming up at the end of this month. They have to determine whether to resign Otani or just let him go to free agency and see what happens and take their chances. They would be able to sign him in that period as well if they were the high bidders, or make a deal before the trading deadline on July 31st where you know that uh, the return would be very handsome from whichever team he is dealt to. So the Angels have a huge decision to make on Shohei Otani, the greatest player in the game, and arguably the greatest player we have ever seen in this game of baseball. So the Angels have a big decision to make, and they have to make it quickly because if it gets by, uh, gets past July 31st and they've done nothing, then they take the risk of losing Otani at the end of the year and getting nothing in return for the game's greatest player, maybe the game's greatest player of all time. Only one negative note, really, about the All-Star game last night. Uniforms were dreadful. Both both teams, the American League and the National League, I, I don't know who can't, comes up with these ideas, dreadful uniforms last night. Didn't like them at all. There was a time, there was a time, folks, and I wish that time would return when players wore their own home uniforms. And it was a very colorful sight. You saw all those uh, uniforms of... Uh, teams in the major leagues out there at one time. And, and now, I, I don't know who's designing these uniforms, but they have very little imagination. Go back to being able to wear your home uniform at the All-Star game. It, it, it's it's much better, I, I think, for, for the entire event. Much more picturesque, I think, to see all those uniforms, all those different uniforms out on the field. 
at the same time. But they, they won't listen to me, but I'll have the same complaint next year. That'll do it for this edition of uh, Kale & Company Live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. Thanks to Neil Levesque of the New Hampshire Institute of Politics at St. Anselm College for joining us for a good portion of this show. And we appreciate you joining us for a good portion of this show. And if you missed any of it or just want to hear it again, tune in tonight, just a little after 7 o'clock, right here, WKXLNHTalkRadio.com, presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Have a great Wednesday, everyone.